You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome everybody, crazy church people. Oh, come on, you can clap. I don't know why we're clapping, but... We'll clap for the Lord this morning. Crazy church people, an exciting new series we're getting ready to to jump into this morning, talking all about 1 Corinthians and what we're going to learn over the next uh, couple weeks or months or so. We're going to walk through 1 Corinthians and really talk about a church and a city uh, that was pretty messed up. So crazy church people, uh, excited to launch that today. Hey, my name's Jeremy. Uh, you know, I was talking with someone uh, before service and there's so many people here that I don't think I have ever met. So my name's Jeremy. Uh, I serve as the executive pastor here, but I also lead the Fenwick campus uh, with my wife, Reagan. Uh, so shout out to the Fenwick campus this morning. Love you guys. And so today, Pastor Danny is actually away ministering at a college uh, as some students are graduating. So I get to launch this brand new series. So really excited to be here. I just cannot tell you how much I love Bayshore. I was thinking about it uh, earlier this week. I've been here for almost six years now on staff. And uh, man, I just, there's no place I would rather be. And part of the reason is all of you guys, those of you that I've met and we get to do life together, but also the staff and man, to be able to stand on the stage where Pastor Danny teaches is honestly an honor for me and I love my pastor so much. And so I'm hoping he's gonna get to listen or watch this at some point, but would you do me a favor and just make some noise for Pastor Danny this morning? And Miss Karen had a birthday this week. And so we just love you guys. Hope you're having an amazing time. I wanna welcome all of our online uh, viewers as well, whether you're watching live with us or maybe on a playback uh, later at a different time on iTunes or whatever. Thank you for continuing to tune in with us. Uh, the best way to experience Bayshore is to always be here with us, but uh, we're grateful that you join us each week. Well, I wanna jump right in today into this topic um, and try to set the stage as we begin to look at 1 Corinthians. Um, it's a very, very interesting book. Um, and as again, you'll find uh, the city of Corinth and the church there was pretty messed up and needed a lot of help. The writer of Corinthians is Paul. And uh, for just a moment, I wanna kind of set the stage of how Paul ended up in the city of Corinth. Now, uh, the New Testament is split up into a couple of different parts. The first five books are narratives. They're actually kind of stories that you can follow along with. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John give us the uh, life and experiences of Jesus. And then the book of Acts uh, is actually the story of after Jesus's resurrection and what the apostles did uh, in spreading the gospel around um, that region. And so the following books are all letters or the epistles from uh, the apostles to the churches that were started. And so 1 Corinthians is one of those books. Paul wrote those. Paul actually wrote 13 of those letters, uh, but far and away, the, the person who contributed uh, more than anything to the New Testament. Uh, and so this amazing author, and so how did he end up in 
Corinth and what were the things that led him there? And so Paul, uh, you know, uh, through his life went on a few missionary journeys. Uh, There's three main journeys that Paul took and uh, then a fourth one, he ended up in Rome. And so it's during uh, the second missionary journey where Paul actually travels to Corinth. And so uh, his first uh, missionary journey, uh, he had a lot of success with, and though there were some hardships and some trials and actually almost died at at one point being stoned almost to death, uh, the first trip was very successful. And so it was the second trip uh, that he ended up in the city of Corinth. And it was about five years after that first visit that the book of 1 Corinthians was written. And then he would later visit the city again at a later time. But what I wanted to look at is kind of what happened on that second missionary journey as Paul kind of got to the city and what led to that. Again, as I mentioned, the first missionary trip was, was actually pretty successful. Uh, as if you read that, I think it's in Acts 13 and 14 in that area. Um, there's a lot of phrases where it says like multitudes came to faith uh, in the gospel or many people believed. And so all through that first journey, um, Paul really uh, had some great success. And it was at the beginning of this second journey uh, that we find out pretty quickly that the second missionary trip isn't going to be quite like the first one. And so right from the jump, uh, you know, uh, Paul has this argument with his buddy Barnabas. Uh, And so we can read that in Acts chapter 15 and verse 36. This is the beginning of the second missionary journey of Paul. And here's what happens in verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement, it says, that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers of grace. The Lord went to Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And so right from the beginning of the second missionary journey for Paul, things are a little challenging. You can imagine how difficult it can be. Barnabas would have been the guy that was with him the whole first trip. Even the guy that probably helped save his life when he was almost stoned to death, probably carried him to safety or even nursed him back to health. And so you can imagine Paul uh, and the state of his mind as he leaves to go on this missionary journey, having this conflict uh, with Barnabas. And so Paul takes off and he's still gonna go. And uh, one of the first cities he visits is Lystra, which is actually the city where he was stoned and almost died. And in Acts, as we read through it, it doesn't talk about a lot that really happened there. So he passes through there and he's heading on up and around. And uh, he had the idea to kind of hang a right and, and go into East Asia, head east towards Asia. But it says in the scriptures that the Holy Spirit prevented him from going. And so he went left and headed uh, west and went on around to a city called Bithynia, where again, he was trying to to go into that city and the Holy Spirit said, no, don't go there. Uh, Continue uh, in this other direction. So once again, Paul was redirected and he headed over, ended up in a city called Troas. Now, Troas is a place where Paul had a vision 
had a dream telling him to go to Macedonia, which is a place that he had never been. It was actually part of the European continent as we know it today, and actually would have been Greece as we know it today. And so um, the Holy Spirit directs him to go there and, and to a place that he had never been. Uh, and so Paul uh, uh, you know, obeys and heads uh, over to Greece and, and lands in a city called Philippi. And so many of you may remember Philippi. Uh, this is a, a lot of great stories are in there. Uh, and uh, interesting to note that there were no Jews, hardly any Jews in the city at all. And there were no Jewish uh, synagogues or temples in the city at all. And so it was very uh, a different place than what Paul was used to. And so it's in that city of Philippi that, uh, you know, Paul began to, it says, reason and teach in the marketplace and in the, the temples there and, and began to just talk with people and share about uh, uh, the resurrection of Jesus and says that he meets a lady named Lydia who is converted and believes in Jesus. And, and she's one of the only ones that are mentioned to have been converted during that time. Uh, unlike, again, the first missionary journey where Paul has multitudes of people, it says, uh, coming uh, to believe in Jesus. And so here in Philippi, in this new region, Lydia comes to, to know the Lord and Paul continues to reason and teach and um, uh, there's this interesting little story where uh, there's this girl uh, who is pestering Paul, it says. And uh, this girl was a slave. And what she would do is she would tell the fortunes of people to earn money for her slave owners. And she was pestering and yelling at Paul to the point, it says, that Paul got frustrated and cast the evil spirit out of her so that she could no longer f tell fortunes. And this enraged the owners so much that they, there was an uproar and they went to the magistrates and they ended up throwing Paul and his companion, Silas, into prison. Many of you have probably heard this story, right? Where they were flogged severely and then thrown into the innermost uh, darkest part of the prison. And then it, instead of like being uh, upset or, or, or sulking, uh, Paul and Silas at midnight, it says, began to praise the Lord. And it was then that an earthquake happened, the shackles fell off, the doors opened up, the guard was about to commit suicide because he knew from losing the prisoners that he would have probably been executed. And Paul cries out and says, hey, you know, don't harm yourself, right? And uh, that guy, that, that guard ended up, uh, you know, receiving uh, the Lord and uh, believing in the resurrection of Jesus. Then his whole house believed in it. And so in Philippi, we've got Lydia and this family who have come to know the Lord. But again, it's not like the first trip. There's a lot more challenges that are going on. And it's interesting to note that um, uh, the magistrates came to the guard that next day, the magistrates that had put Paul in prison. And, they, and he, uh, they said, hey, you can let Paul and Silas out of jail. And the guard was excited, went and told Paul that. And Paul said, no, absolutely not. You know, what they did was wrong. I'm a Roman citizen and there's a law that says that I could, you're not allowed to beat a Roman citizen or imprison a Roman citizen in this way. And so I'm not leaving, Paul says, until they come and they apologize, then I will leave. And I get this sense, you know, I just can't help thinking as I'm reading this story that Paul's a little frustrated. Like he's, he's being a little stubborn here about that point because man, started off with Barnabas, his friend, 
they get in a fight and he's not seeing as many conversions as he did the first trip. And then he, uh, you know, gets beaten and thrown in jail and all these things. And so you get the sense of a, a bit of a frustrated Paul. He was redirected multiple times into places where he wanted to go. And so Paul not having the same type of trip uh, that he did the first time. So Paul continues on though. And he goes to a couple more cities where he actually says that there were some God-fearing Greeks who did believe that there were many. And so he had a little success uh, as he continued on. But then he ends up in the city of Athens. And Paul's alone. His uh, companions that he had been traveled with, with had left him to go somewhere else. And Paul's in the city of Athens alone, which has a very long history uh, with many gods and many idols and many temples and statues that were worshipped. You know, it was a, known as a very secular city. And, uh, you know, and, and so Paul finds himself in this place, eager to kind of share the gospel of Jesus there. And it says that he does what he's done pretty much everywhere. He goes into the marketplace and begins to reason. And I want to read with you kind of what happens in Athens as he kind of begins to teach. And so if we look in, uh, let's see, Acts 17, verse 16, here's how this goes for Paul. He finally, you know, uh, uh, is talking and ministering in, in, in Athens. And uh, here's what happens. Paul was waiting for them, his companions that had gone somewhere else in Athens. He was greatly distressed greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day. And with those who happened to be there, a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is it this babbler is saying to us or trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. Uh, they said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him into a meeting of the Areopagus, uh, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking and listening to the latest uh, ideas. And so here you have Paul, again, context, right? The trip, tired, alone, worn out, a little frustrated, goes to talk with the people of Athens and he's called a babbler. And they're not responding again, maybe like people had done in the first missionary trip. And so Paul, you can just sense the, the rejection that he's getting. And so if we skip down uh, to the end uh, of that passage, now Paul goes on to deliver a very important and famous uh, uh, presentation to these people at Mars Hill. It's one of the things that many, many, many of our uh, uh, courses on apologetics or how to talk to people with different worldviews, it's based on this passage because it's a very rich passage. But um, uh, I don't want to read that. You should read it sometimes. It's a very important thing. But let's skip down to the end and just see how this all ends in verse 32. And when they had heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. Again, Paul's message rejected. But others said, 
We want to hear you again on this subject. Not we received, and it wasn't multitudes, but it was some. And at that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed among them Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of other, but not great multitudes like we had seen in the first missionary track. Many commentaries that are written on Paul's second missionary journey, and specifically his visit to Athens, uh, uh, present it as a failure. It's written uh, and talked about in terms of Paul failing to establish uh, the church in Athens at that time. And so here you have Paul, tired, worn out, alone, frustrated. And he's at this place. And in verse 18 in chapter 1, I'm sorry, chapter 18, verse 1, uh, it says this. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And so what I want to talk about today is what would have happened had Paul not continued on? What would have happened if Paul would have accepted defeat in that moment? All of the frustration, the tiredness, being alone, being beaten, not having a Barnabas or, or anybody that was with him in the first journey, the, the lack of response to the message. What if Paul would have given up? What if Paul would have considered it a failure and never left and carried on and made it to the city of Corinth? What would have happened? What would it have been like if he had never been there? And so for the next few minutes that we have left uh, here together, I want to see if we can kind of glean some things from Paul, if we can learn some things from Paul about how to deal with failure in our lives. How can we deal with that? And, and what's exciting is I get to use Paul's own words uh, where he uh, uh, shares some nuggets with us uh, in his own writings. Now, uh, when I was growing up, um, I, uh, I moved around quite a bit. I went to 13 different schools in the 13 years uh, of schooling in like 13 different school districts. So pretty much every year I had gone to a new school. And I can remember one particular occasion, brand new school, we were in the Atlanta, Georgia area. And uh, there was this uh, 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 new school and it had a cafeteria that was detached from the main school building. It was actually the gym and we would eat lunch there each day. And I think it was the first week that I was there. Um, it, it couldn't have been more than a week, uh, may not even been the first or second day. But it was raining really hard that day. And I remember I had to run out and down in Georgia, I don't know if you've ever been there, they actually have these things called hills down there. We don't see many of those up here, but there was all these hills down there. And so you actually had to go down a pretty steep hill to get to the gym on this sidewalk. And so ran out of the building. I'm running down there, got my backpack on, you know, trying to look as cool as I can running on that first week, right? And um, I get into the door of the cafeteria and I go to stop with my pro wing sneakers. Anybody ever wear pro wings? Pro wings? No pro wing wears here? Oh gosh, you guys missed out on some serious uh, uh, like developmental uh, sort of baggage uh, that you could have had with Pro Wings. Pro Wings were very cheap sneakers that you got at Payless. And uh, anyway, I had on Pro Wing sneakers, ran through the door, tried to stop with my wet Pro Wing sneakers and instantly was horizontal in the air. First or second day of, in, in school. And I remember going up, 
falling straight on the ground and I looking up and the prettiest girl in school at that time was staring right down at me just laughing. It was one of, if not the most embarrassing moment of my life. And as I think a 12 year old boy at that time, like it was everything. I was so embarrassed. The rest of the year, I couldn't even be around that girl. I, could ever, I would like avoid her uh, because of the embarrassment that I felt from that moment. And luckily I moved again the following year so I didn't have to deal with it. But, but it, was, it was just this, this terrible thing uh, and uh, stuck with me for so long. And while I think we can laugh at that and it might even be kind of a cheesy example, uh, but I think a lot of us, everyone in this room maybe even, uh, has things in our past that are challenges. There's things in our past that, that we have trouble getting past. There's things in our past that are failures that that can be uh, things that haunt us. And so what I really uh, want to be able to tell you today, and I know that some of you, whether in Fenwick or online or here, the thing that you need to hear is that if you don't let your past die, it won't let you live. If you don't let your past die, it won't let you live. And if you don't step out of your history, you can't step into your destiny. And I mean, honestly, uh, if there's anyone who kind of knows how to get past their past, it's Captain Stupid right here. Um, I know about it. I get it. And so for me, and what I want to share with you today is just three very fundamental, very basic uh, points uh, that can help keep us grounded. And, and when uh, our past and when our failures and, and, and mistakes, whether things that we've done or things that have been done to us, when they try to come up and they try to steal our present or they try to steal our future, that we can remind ourselves of these very fundamental uh, points so that uh, we can move past our past. Point number one this morning, if you're taking notes, uh, is in Christ, we are completely forgiven. In Christ, we are completely forgiven. Now, how many of you have ever bought a brand new car? Brand new, not used. Like, I mean, most of us have, have had that experience. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the Money Matters guy uh, would be upset with us, but uh, Dave Ramsey. Uh, but I've, uh, if you bought a new car, it's a, it's a very uh, memorable experience, right? Especially your first brand new car. I can remember it like it was yesterday. I was 17 years old. I was going to get my first car. I wanted to buy a Jeep, but the bank said I couldn't buy a Jeep for some reason. Still a little bitter about that. I don't know why I couldn't buy a Jeep. So I ended up buying a brand new Ford F-150 truck. Just the, the single cab, it was stick shift. It was the cheapest F-150 you could get, but it was still a great brand new truck. And so it was red, had a gray stripe on the bottom. Beautiful truck. I was so proud of that truck. And, and uh, one night I was hanging out with a bunch of buddies over at his house. He lived on a farm. And at some point during the, the evening, uh, one of my buddies hopped in his truck and took it around this four-wheeler track, right? It had jumps and turns and he just ran his truck around that thing and came back and everybody was like, woo, great job. And so I was like, I got a truck, <laughs> I can do that. And so I hopped in my truck, was going around and I got about halfway there and slid the tail end of my truck into a fence. 
scraped it all down the side, put a big dent in the back end, busted the light, and I almost threw up. I mean, it was, I couldn't believe I was that dumb. Like, what was I thinking? And I almost, it almost made me throw up. And then I got it home and I got out of the car and I looked at it, I almost threw up again. I'm like, it was so bad. And I remember I'd go to work and, and like have a good day and come out of my great day at work. And then I'd see that dent in my truck and I'd almost throw up again because it just kept coming back and reminded me. And I think that this can happen. Similar things can happen in our life sometimes where we, we see that guy or we see that girl or we, we hear that song that reminds us of that time in our life or we see that post from somebody or the memory that pops up, you know, on Facebook as it does. And, and all of a sudden we have this guilt and pain or shame uh, from what we did or what was done to us. And uh, if that's you today, you know, I get it. Uh, but the beautiful thing, the beautiful thing about the gospel, the good news is that Christ, you are, in Christ, you are completely forgiven. Completely forgiven. Paul says this. Paul, again, we're going to use Paul's words uh, this morning in Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. You know, I think there's probably two reasons why we feel condemned in our life. The first, first reason is, is that we're the only one who, who knows us like we do, right? We, we feel condemned sometimes because we know ourselves better than anybody else. Sure, people know like some of the terrible things we've done or some of the mistakes we've made or some of the failures we've had in our life. But there are failures that only we know about. There are faults that we have that only we know about. And I think deep down, at some level, all of us are worried. We have this fear inside of us that if people really knew the real us, they might not love us. They might not stick around. They might not follow us. And so I think that heaviness of that uh, can be why we feel condemned so often. The other reason I think we feel condemned is because uh, all of us are, are watching Facebook and Instagram feeds of people's perfect moments, right? We see these perfect kids, these perfect pets, the perfect meals that they eat and that they work out every day uh, and all these things. And we see their highlight reels, not realizing that it took 55 takes or 55 pictures to get that one perfect selfie, right? And, you know, who is the person that you look at first in a group photo? Yourself. That's right. And if you look good in that photo, then the picture's great. But if you don't look good in that photo, you better take it down. Right? Can I get an amen? And so we can, we can feel condemned for those two reasons. And, 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 but again, Paul is telling us that therefore in Christ there is no condemnation. And so it is the God of the universe who knows all things the things that everybody else knows and the things that nobody else knows about you. But yet he still saw fit to send his son to pay the price for your sin. Still saw fit to forgive you of those things. And he knows every detail, every stupid thing we've ever done. He knows. 
And he still saw fit to forgive us. Still saw fit to forgive us. And the reality is, is listen, all of us have dents, right? Like my Ford truck. All of us have dents. And uh, whether it's things, stupid things that we've done or, or uh, things that were done to us. But, but our Christian identity, our identity is not f- defined by our dents, but uh, our identity is found in the death of Jesus on the cross that covers all of our dents because the cross is bigger than our dents. Can I get an amen? amen. So when your failures try to come up and they try to steal your past or control your future, remember, in Christ, we are completely forgiven. I think there's also a challenge here uh, for some of us and myself included is that I don't always feel forgiven, right? I don't always feel that way. And so in those moments, that's where these scriptures, and again, scriptures we've heard all the time, for now there is no, therefore no condemnation. We've heard that before, but it's in those moments where we don't feel forgiven that we need to lean on that word. We need to speak and receive that word in our life because God's word is bigger than our feelings, right? It's bigger than our feelings. And so we just need to receive that and know that and celebrate that, that God's word tells us that because forgiveness is not achieved, it's received. Forgiveness is not received, or I'm sorry, it's not achieved. It is received. So in Christ, we are completely forgiven. Point number two this morning, if you take notes, is in Christ, I am valuable. In Christ, I am valuable. Now, I am generally a very passive guy. Like, I had friends in high school who would get in fights just for fun, right? Anybody have any of those, those friends in high school? Man. Uh, and like, you know, uh, they would get in fights just, just to, to play. And, you know, there's, there's, there's things with dudes where like, if one guy gets in a fight, then you have to like jump in no matter what. It doesn't matter what the fight's over. You just have to have your buddies back. I was not that guy either. Wasn't me. I was more of the guy of like, ah, he'll be fine. He's got it. Uh, probably because I was 6'2", 140 pounds for, for most of my high school time. But, uh, and somebody would have broken me like a twig. But, uh, but I was just not a fighter. And uh, I, had, I do remember one time in high school where my brother, my sister, and some friends of ours, it was around Christmas time, uh, we were walking around our neighborhood. And uh, I ended up coming back early for some reason with one of my friends. And, and I was waiting there at the house. And then all of a sudden, uh, my sister came in. She was crying. She was holding her face. And we were like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong? And she said, this guy slapped me. And I lost my mind. Like, I don't even know what I did. I ran out the door screaming and yelling. It didn't matter what was going on out there. I was going to hurt somebody because he hurt my sister. And so I think the thing, I was never the guy who was going to get in a fight just for fun or maybe even have my buddies' backs in a fight. Uh, but man, if you mess with my family, if you mess with my sister, you've got one crazy fight coming at you. And so the value of something is determined by the price that someone is willing to pay for it. Does that make sense? The value of something 
is determined by the price that someone's willing to pay for it. Think of art dealers, right? Things that I might not ever give anything for. People will pay millions of dollars for. And anybody heard of these uh, NFTs right now? These digital certificate things? There's, I, it, I don't even understand it, but people are paying like millions of dollars. You wanna like blow your mind? Uh, go research NFTs. I don't have a clue what's going on there, but people are paying for it, all this money. And so I wanna read this verse to you. I, we're going to read it together. I probably don't even need to read it. You could quote it. But John 3.16, don't just read it, feel it, listen to it. Because what uh, uh, somebody is willing to pay for something is what determines its value. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And so it blows my mind that, that when we don't feel valued, but God says, you are so valuable that I sent my son, the most, my precious son to die for what you did, because I love you. And so in Christ, I am valuable. And it doesn't matter if we've made mistakes or failures and we have all these things in our past that we're trying to get over because the value of our life, the value of my life is not determined by the mess I made, but the price that Jesus paid. That's what determines our value. Point number three. Number one was we are completely forgiven. Number two, uh, I am valuable Number three, in Christ, I am unconditionally loved. So here's the thing. If I'm honest, I, I don't, I'm not an unconditional love guy. Like there are people who just bug me the wrong way. I'm, I'm just, it, don't judge me, right? You guys aren't unconditional lovers either, some, all, all of us probably. But, but there's just certain people who, who bug me, like people at four-way stops. Can I get an amen? What? What? Just follow the rules, right? Don't wave somebody on. No, it's your turn. Go. My wife gets so upset with me because like somebody will try to wave me through in a four-way stop and I'll just sit there. I was like, it's your turn. I'm not going. <laughs> they, people at four-way stops who don't follow, they bug me. No unconditional love for them. Close talkers. Close talkers bug me. Like you ever had that person who literally has to lean against you to tell you something? I don't get it. If there's one good thing that came out of COVID for me, close talking. <laughs> Six feet, buddy, back up, right? And so I don't, I don't love unconditionally a lot of people in a lot of different areas, but you know what I don't have any issues unconditionally loving? It's my kids. I have four amazing kids and I don't have a problem loving them unconditionally. Any parents in the room, right? You get what I'm saying? And here's the thing. What do they do to deserve that love? Nothing. They didn't do anything to deserve that love. Our kids came into the world with attitudes, crying to be fed and pooping everywhere. And, and you know, and that is infants and then toddlers, right? They just destroy everything and color Sharpies on the, on the wall. And don't even get me started about teenagers. If you're not there yet, man, the, the best piece of advice I can give you is listen, Kids lose their minds from like 14 to 16. If you can just stay sane, 
then everybody's going to be okay. Just stay sane. Just hold on. They'll make it. They get past 16, something happens, and they get their brain back. But, uh, and now uh, my wife and I, we're in the season of adult kids, and somehow they still end up eating all my Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and they don't even live there anymore. <laughs> and so they didn't, they didn't do anything to earn our love, but, but yet uh, we can love them unconditionally. And it's, you know, you don't love your kids because of their performance. You love them because of their position. It was not for their performance, not what they did. They didn't earn it, but it's because they're your kids. They're your kids. Amen. And it's true too, that we can, we can still love our kids when they're messy. We can love our kids unconditionally, even in their mess. And here's what I want you to hear this morning. And for some of you, your past is a mess. It's messy. And for some of you, your presence may be just as messy. And you're looking at your future, but all you can see is your past. And so I get that. I get it. And uh, things, things can get messy, but it's funny what God can teach us through our kids. Um, I remember this one time, um, my kids were still young. We have four kids, and, and so kids were still young, I would say, uh, I don't know, uh, six and eight, 10 and 12, something like that. And there was this one night, one of my daughters had gone to bed with a stomach ache, and we, you know, we didn't think much of it. Kids are always sick when they're like, when they're younger, it seems like. And so like, uh, we went to bed and about, I don't know, a couple hours later, we wake up to screaming and crying. So we go in there to find out that my daughter who was sleeping on the bottom bunk uh, had sat up and thrown up all over herself and she was crying. And when we turned on the light, uh, the daughter on the top bunk wanted to know what was going on. And as soon as she saw what was going on, she threw up over the top bunk, all over the carpet, all over my wife, who doesn't do well with vomit. So she began to throw up, <laughs> had to go to the bathroom. And so there is just, it was, a, it was a disaster. It was the middle of the night. I'm tired. My eyes are half open. There is stuff everywhere in the carpet, in the bed, in the hair, in, it's just everywhere. And so, you know what I didn't do? You know what I didn't do? I didn't go like, hey, you need, when you get yourself together, when you clean up the carpet, you clean up the bed, you clean up your clothes and your hair, then and only then can you come into my presence. I didn't do that. No, as a father, I went over and I picked up my little girl and I held her and the mess, it didn't matter. It didn't matter what happened, right? Or, or her mess. I was gonna get her out of that mess. I was gonna help her and I was gonna take care of her in that moment. Because my love for my kids is bigger than their mess. And so for some of you today, you're looking at your mess, you're looking at your failures, you're looking at your past and you can't get by it. And God wants you to know that he loves you unconditionally. Unconditionally. I wanna bring this full circle back to a verse from Paul. 
in 2 Corinthians. He's writing this to the, the church that was established in the city that maybe he almost didn't go to because he had failed. Here's what he says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. I need these in my life. Like I said, I get it. Captain Stupid here. I need to, to hold on to these things. When, when my failures in my past try to steal my present and wreck my future, this is what I'm, I'm standing on. God's word, bigger than my feelings, it's bigger than my mess because you're, you're completely forgiven. You need to receive that. You're completely forgiven. You are valuable and you are unconditionally loved. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, God, in, in moments where we don't know what to feel or what, what, what to think and when moments where our past comes to try to steal our present and our future, God, remind us of these principles. Remind us of these verses. And God, let us just, just stand on them and celebrate them and know them deep in our heart and in our soul and in our spirit, God, that you are for us, that you love us. God, that you're bigger than our mess, that you're, you love us even uh, knowing us uh, better than we know ourselves. To God, for every person under the sound of my voice this morning, I just pray, Lord, that they would be able to receive that. God, even when they don't feel it, even when they can't comprehend it, God, that your love would just wash over them. God, that they would just, just celebrate what your word says because it is true and you are faithful, God. And so as we're praying this morning, I just want to say like, you know, one of the key points to everything we said here was in Christ. In Christ. And so under this, everybody under the sound of my voice this morning, if, if you don't know or if you've never accepted Christ and you can't say that you are in Christ, today is the day because all these things can be true for you. Because God uh, sent his son to die for you so that you didn't have to live in your mess or in your past. But he came to give you life, to give you freedom. And so I just want to tell you, like today, if that's you and, and, and you would like to talk to somebody, Pastor Jeff and a team of people would be to my left. And if, and if you want to receive Christ today, you just go over there, you let them know, and someone will be there to help you and to help you understand. If you want to be in Christ, if you're at Fenwick, um, Pastor Mickey will be there for you, and online uh, somebody will respond. Just let us know in the comments or, or whatever. But in Christ is the beginning of all the things that we just talked about. Lord, I just thank you for what you're going to do. I pray for everybody, Lord, that you're working on in your Holy Spirit. And so uh, as we uh, get ready to go today, God, just hide this in 
our hearts. And I thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Can we praise the Lord this morning? Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.